Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Hey, we've been talking about the third. It's been our series, the Holy Spirit. And um, I just want you to know that that when, when God lays on my heart to do series like this, it's as challenging to me as it might be to you. Maybe more challenging to me because I gotta do all the study stuff. And it takes a while to study through some of these messages to make sure that what I'm saying is scriptural and legit and not just based off of something I've experienced, but even though that, that can be part of, of why we believe what we believe, um, there has to be scripture basis. And so there's a lot of search and there's a lot of that goes into this. I hope you've been enjoying this whole series on the Holy Spirit. I know it's been a long one. We're on week 11 this week. Um, there's no end. In, yeah, there is an end in sight, but there's, there's, it's going to be a few more weeks yet because I want to get through this stuff because it is absolutely vital to where we're living at today and in these times. These times are crazy. And for the church to take what God has given us, and I think that was part of the word this morning, um, the prophetic word that was given through our sister Elaine, uh, that, that uh, he's given us this gift of the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't we take advantage of that? And so oftentimes churches take the gift of the Holy Spirit because of misunderstanding, because of, of I, I don't know, just, just lackadaisical um, think we can do it on our own. It could be pride. It could be arrogance. It could be just, I don't want to do that. I, I'm fine without it. And we, whatever the reason, we take the gift of the Holy Spirit, we take the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we put them on the shelf, and we say, well, that's for somebody else, for some other church, for, for some other time, and we miss out on what God has given us to get through times like we're in right now. Amen. And it's crazy. Can I say crazy in church? Is that still okay? That's crazy, and we don't need to be crazy. Uh, so anyway, we're, we're going to get into this a little bit today. We're going to get into the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I, I, I really want to just talk about the power to speak gifts. So, so let me just give you a quick little overview of, of a, the last couple weeks. The third, it's a series that we've been in for some time now. You know that. It's on the person of the Holy Spirit. We believe one God in one God. Everybody say one God who manifests himself through three distinct personalities, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, okay? A triune God, but one God. Last week I went through the scriptures and talked about speaking in tongues as an initial physical sign or evidence that the baptism in the Holy Spirit has occurred. And we went through a lot of scriptures. And obviously there are other evidences that aren't physical in nature, evidences that prove that this experience of being completely immersed in the Holy Spirit of Christ has happened to an individual, and, and we'll get to some of those by the end of the series. But, but I want to just review what we've gone over so far in reference to this specific part. First of all, don't forget that when we, that, that we receive the Holy Spirit, when we receive the Holy Spirit, and when we accept Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit um, is a part of that regeneration process. He, we get the Holy Spirit when we get saved. Amen? Don't forget that. He is perfectly unified with the Father and the Son, and together as, as one God, they transform individuals who receive him, and, and they transform individuals from the inside out. And I can't stress this enough, and I'm not preaching on this today, but, but I, need, I need to just say this. God changes you from the inside out, not the outside in. 
Okay, the outside in produces legalism. I raised some kids. I know how, it is, how legalism works. You know, you, you tell your kid, do this, because I said so. And unless there's a heart change, it does, they might do it, but it doesn't really change them. There's got to be a change from the inside out, and those things are produced through a relationship with your kids. The same is true for God. It's produced through a relationship with him, a loving relationship, and all of a sudden, you change from the inside out because you love him. That's why it's so important to stand here and say, you know, we love you, oh, how we love you. When you say that enough, you might just believe it. You might just believe that he loves you. It's so important that we understand that, that it comes out of relationship, but he changes us from the inside out. And, and um, this whole Holy Spirit thing of him being deposited into us at the time of salvation, uh, it, it's not the same thing as receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we use that phrase, we're referring to an experience that is distinct from and subsequent to the experience of salvation. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not required in order to make heaven your home. Being submersed in a spirit doesn't save you. Getting saved, asking Jesus into your heart is what saves you. And he changes you from the inside out because he deposits his spirit within you. But then there's something else. It's subsequent to the experience of salvation and it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's the immersion in the Holy Spirit. Okay? You are saved the moment you accept Christ. And let me even say this. If you have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it does not make you a better Christian than someone who has not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I get kind of tired of the Pentecostal arrogance, the elitism. Well, we have the Spirit and you don't. No, they have the Holy Spirit deposited in them if they're saved. Right? And yes, we received the, the subsequent experience, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but you can't claim superiority because you received a free gift that is offered to everyone who believes. What, you're bragging because you got a free gift? I mean, I could brag about free donuts all day long to people, but no, that does, that's not, I'm not even gonna go there. <laughs> can't brag about a gift that's for free. You didn't do anything to get it. You didn't do anything to earn it. You just happened to hear the message and receive it. It, it, was, it was an act of grace. Not something you did. Let, let me take this one step further because this phrase has always kind of bothered me. Well, we're a full gospel church. Yeah, because everybody else is a half gospel? I, I mean, just, I know what we're trying to say when we say full gospel. I get it. I understand that. But do you see there's a little hint of arrogance or, or, or elitism in that? Just a little bit. It can, it can, it can be there for sure. But even though God has graciously deposited his Holy Spirit into your life at that time to be, when you're saved, you, you get the uh, uh, parakletos or the paraclete, we call that, your helper, the one who is summoned and called to your side to plead your cause. He encourages you and guides you through this Christian life. Even though God has given us the Holy Spirit in this way, he, he doesn't stop there. He gives us more. And that's the awesome thing. That's what I love about being Pentecostal. There's more. There's more. He gives us the full immersion in his spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is more than having the spirit. It's really the spirit having you. And I've, I've gone over all these things already in this series. I'm just giving you a quick review of the last couple of weeks. 
And, and let me ask this, this subsequent experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, why would we want this? Why should we want it? Because it's a baptism of power to be a witness for Christ. It's just that simple. And maybe you're satisfied as a Christian. You have the things uh, in this world that you want, you enjoy your family, you make church a priority, you're living that nice, comfortable, American Christian life, and you're just really happy with it and, and don't desire anything more, then, then, then if, that, if that's you, then don't seek the baptism of the Holy, in the Holy Spirit. Because once you've experienced it, you will realize there's no end to the depths of where he wants to take you, and you'll realize that all that stuff that you think you're so satisfied with, it's not satisfying. There's so much more. And I'm here to tell you it can be scary when you first begin to get a revelation of what that means. I think it's so interesting. I had no idea that there'd be a, a, a prophetic word this morning. God just does that, but he was confirming what I already wrote down in my message here. It's scary, and you don't have to be scared. I think I heard that. That's what I have written right here. That's how God works, isn't it? It's overwhelming to begin to understand that there's no end to his power. It's overwhelming. You're like, I'm experiencing this, this Holy Spirit thing, and, and it's like I had control of everything before. I had a good handle on it, and, and now it's like God's just taking me someplace else where he's more in the driver's seat. But we don't have to be scared. There's no end to his power. There's no end to what he can do through you. There's no end to what he can accomplish for the kingdom through you. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's no end. Look at your neighbor and say, there is no end to what God can do. Say it. To what God can do through you. There's no end to it. I mean, it's exciting to live the Christian life. It's even more exciting to live the, the, the Pentecostal Christian life because you're baptized in the Holy Spirit because it just takes you to new depths. You can't brag about it, but it's, it's awesome. And when you get that kind of revelation of how big and how powerful and how deep this thing goes, the natural thing for us to do, honestly, is to pull back. We love the Lord and all, but, but if I give myself over to the fullness of the Holy Spirit, what's he gonna do with me? I, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. What might change in my life? What might he shake loose? I mean, that's, that's too much um, control that I don't have if I allow him to take me to that depth into his spirit? Are you understanding what I'm saying? We, we, we have also learned that, that in, this, in this series that glossolalia or, or speaking in tongues is speaking a language that you have never learned through natural means, be it an earthly or a heavenly language. Speaking in tongues is an evidentiary sign of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and in Scripture, it's most often the initial physical sign that the baptism in the Holy Spirit has occurred. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says this. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And are, there are variety of, of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another 
faith by the same spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit, and to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, the, the, the distinguishing of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Here's a list of gifts that are referred to as the nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit. These are supernatural gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit to God's followers to build his kingdom. They are gifts that give us power to do supernatural things. Not that we're supernatural, but he is. And just as the Holy Spirit's ministry will always point to the person of Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit uses us in these gifts, our testimony of those experiences will always point to Jesus. He gets the glory. Now, I'm going to go over these nine manifestation gifts. In, I'm not going to go over them in order as they're listed in Scripture because I, I want to start with the gift of tongues, which we have already been studying. We talked about that last week. And I want to just kind of continue that into this, this, uh, this, this message on the manifestation gifts so that we're not back and forthing. But as we study these manifestation gifts, it's easy to remember them by grouping them into three categories. Nine gets grouped into three different categories. Spiritual gifts that give supernatural power to speak things, which we're gonna go over today. Spiritual gifts that give supernatural power to know things. How many would like supernatural power to know things? These are gifts he's given the church. And then the third one in spiritual gifts that, that give supernatural power to do things. So to speak, to know, and to do. Those are the three categories of these gifts. But again, I'm not gonna go in order that they're listed, but let's start today with the gifts that give us the supernatural power to speak. Supernatural power to speak, the gift of tongues. We'll start with that one because we've already been talking about it. The gift of tongues is a supernatural ability to speak in languages never learned by the speaker. That's exactly what it means. It's not understood by the mind of the speaker and nearly always not understood by the hearer. It has nothing whatsoever to do with linguistic ability. Nor with the mind or the intellectual abilities of the person who is speaking. It is a manifestation of the Spirit of God that employs the human speech organs or employs our tongue. Our, our tongue. When a person is speaking with tongues or in tongues, his mind, intellect, and understanding are at rest. They are not active. This is a powerful gift because our mind, our intellect, and our understanding can get in the way of our speech when we are talking to God. This gift, it, I mean, it, it, it gives us the ability to shut down those parts of our humanity and truly connect with the infinite wisdom and knowledge of God with our human barriers gone. And so what's so awesome about this gift of tongues is even though we're using our physical tongue, our mind, our intellect, our linguistic ability, our, our human in all of that is, is at rest and the spirit speaks to our spirit and our spirit speaks forth amazing things. Amen. Supernatural things. There's different uses of this gift, and it, it, it has 
at least I'm gonna go over a few of them here real quickly so you understand it. Because I think uh, tongues has, has always been a very confusing thing with, within the church. People don't understand. And, and you know, different uses have different sets of rules that go along with the, each specific use, depending on the situation. We've already seen one of those uses in last week's message as an evidence that the baptism in the Holy Spirit has occurred. Acts 10, 45 through 46. All the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed. They're at the house of Cornelius, you might remember last week. And all those believers that came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had also been poured out on the Gentiles. They saw that the gift of the Holy Spirit, they saw physically that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on these Gentiles and it says why in verse 46, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. So it's, a, it's an, a sign, an evidence that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father had been given. Another use of that gift of tongues, effective and powerful prayer. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2, and I'm gonna move through this quick, so write these down, but 1 Corinthians 14, 2, for the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. So this is talking more about prayer life when you're speaking in tongues, not for the edification of the church, not even necessarily for you to understand what you're saying, but it will edify you as your spirit speaks mysteries unto God and prays perfect prayers. Tongues, as a use here, is for effective and powerful prayer. You could also read in Romans 8, 26 through 27, the same thing. It says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. <laughs> I mean, I don't always know how to pray, do you? Have you ever wondered, what? I, I know I should pray about this, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what the perfect prayer is for this. I don't know what the perfect will of God is for this. So tongues takes you to that place where you put the human to rest and the Spirit takes over. But the Spirit himself... Continuing on here, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he, who's, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Wow! A gift to pray the perfect will of God for every situation. It's, this tongues thing is important, church. It's evidence that the baptism has occurred. It's, it's there for effective and powerful prayer. And here's another reason, uh, another use of the same gift, effective and powerful praise. We see that in Acts 2, 5 through 8. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. This is right after the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room, and they went out into the street. And when the sound occurred, the, the, the crowd came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them, those 120 who came out of the upper room, was hearing them speaking in his own language. Each one of those, those people that heard in the crowd were listening to the 120 that came out of the room speaking in, in their language. They were amazed because they were people from all over the place. And astonished, they, say, they said, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Why are, are not all these who are speaking Galileans and that we should... Each hear them in our own language in which we were born. They were perplexed by this. And then skip down to verse 11. It says, we hear them in our own tongues speaking the, the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? They were, they were, they were praying in tongues 
and the people who were in the city at the time from all over could hear them in their native dialect and they were like amazed by that because they were giving praise to God in their native tongue and these guys didn't know their tongue he didn't, they didn't know their language so it's for powerful praise how many would like to, to as, as we're singing a song like even this morning we're singing about how he loves, how he loves and we kind of went into a time of, of just kind of free worship and you know what happens when we do free worship sometimes? Um, a, a lot of people just go like this, just put their head down, and they're like, oh, this is reverent, I'm, I'm going to listen. You know, and, and the, the singers might sing the mic a little bit, you might hear a few people here, there, and everywhere kind of sing, but we kind of put our head down and we just listen. This is time for me to just listen. No, that's time for you to lift your voice up and sing praises unto God. What if you started singing in tongues? Wouldn't that be great? How many know that you can do that? I would love to do that, and I can do that, and I do it very often in my own private prayer time, but I don't do that when I lead worship because if I'm doing it in the mic, it causes confusion because people are going to go, where's the interpreter? That wasn't tongues for interpretation. That would be tongues for powerful praise, edifying my spirit, and if everybody was doing that, that's okay because that's not a message in tongues for the body to be edified. So you've got to understand what scriptures you're talking about when you start talking about the rules and how you handle this because how many know there's a lot of confusion? But one of the uses is for powerful praise. Another use, effective and powerful edification for the congregation. Now this is what a lot of people want to have. The rules for this particular one apply to every time there's a tongue heard. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 33, it says this, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If, if anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three and, in, and each in turn and one must interpret but if there's no interpreter he must be silent in the church and let him speak him to himself or speak to himself and unto God so it's very interesting we just talked about what if you're down here at the altar and there's a group of people and they start praying in tongues as an edification for themselves but it's not meant to be a public uh, uh, message for everyone and then you have somebody else come over here and I heard four people talking in tongues at once that wasn't God it can't be God because only two or three and there was no interpreter it wasn't meant to be interpreted it was between them see you can experience God individually in a church service you can be edified individually in a church service we can also be edified as a group now when someone comes forward like we saw today which was an awesome example maybe someone would come forward and say God is putting a tongue or giving me a message in tongues and I, I think I need to speak it and, and Pastor Jared would say okay let's speak it and it would be spoken forth in the mic and then we would wait for the interpretation of that because that is a tongue for the edification of the entire church okay you understand there's a difference in the uses. You can't apply, apply the rules of this use to that use. Or it, it just gets kind of wonky. That's, that's why this whole thing of tongues often gets shut down in churches because there's so much confusion and no one in leadership really knows how to deal with it. I'm not one of those people. All right? And I'm not bragging. I just know how to deal with this. I don't want to give up the gift that God has given the church 
so that we don't have any confusion. Let's just deal with the confusion. Let's teach it so that people understand it because it's not spooky and weird. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit and it's powerful for all sorts of things. Why would we stick that on the shelf? Woo. Just saying. Woo. And this, of course, I, I mean, again, what I'm saying here in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 26 to 33, that is a, 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 a scripture that's talking about the, the, the message in tongues for the body, that's given for the body, for the edification of the church. Another use of the same gift. It's a powerful sign to unbelievers. That's one, two, three, four, five uses of the same gift that I just gave you. It's a powerful sign to unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 14, 22a says, so then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I, I mean, I'm just gonna break this down and be really transparent and, and practical. How many have ever been in a church service and you brought somebody with you or you met somebody new that Sunday and they're sitting by you and it's all good and you know sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so is just gonna go off right behind them and scare the bejeebies out of them in tongues? I mean, we've all been there, right? And that can happen especially when there's not order or there's no direction in how to handle these things. And we're gonna give you some direction this morning. We saw an example of it, and I didn't even plan that. Somebody said, well, you planned that. No, I did not. Elaine, have I called you lately? No. I've also heard in this church, brand new people walk in and they're a little skeptical because, you know, we might break out the snakes. <laughs> and we're not about that. Or we might, you know, roll on the floor or run across the back of the pews, which that could happen, I guess. <laughs> and I, I, they, there's been a message in tongues and interpretation right in front of them and I'll have that little thing that says, I better check to make sure they were okay, that that didn't freak them out too much, right? And I'll go to them and say, did, what did you think of that? And I don't know, Pastor Jared, you know this is true. We've heard it time and time again. When it's done properly and in an order and in submission to the authority that's, that, that God's placed here through pastoral staff and elders in the church, it's amazing. Those same people will say, I'll say, were you that scary a little bit? And they're like, no, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. What? Somebody wasn't freaked out by Pentecostal message in tongues and interpretation? They won't be when we do it right. They won't be. Because it's natural and it's easy and it flows and you can feel it and it's not emotional and it's not crazy. And then when the interpretation is given, it might be just for that one couple or one person that's visiting that Sunday morning. And they're gonna go, wow. Do you watch the news? Do you know how many weird things people believe out there right now? And you're nervous about what we believe in here? Ooh, George McFly moment. 
Hello? George McFly, anybody home? That's the gift of tongues. Okay, We're, that, that's, that's a power to speak gift. It's a manifestation gift. Has different uses. Different rules apply to those different uses. Don't mix them up. If you need help with that, make an appointment. We'll walk through it together. But that's one of the power to speak gifts. Another power to speak gift is the gift of interpretation of tongues. And I'm not going to take nearly as long with this one. It's the gift of interpretation of tongues. The gift of, of the interpretation of tongues is the Holy Spirit explaining thoroughly the meaning of the utterance that has been given in an unknown tongue through a yielded individual. And I'm talking about the, the, the use of tongues where it's for the public edification or for the, the, the edification of the entire congregation. So when someone would come to the mic and say, I have a word in tongues, and they would give that word in tongues, this is where the gift, the power to speak gift of interpretation of tongues takes place. Because they'll speak in tongues, and then there'll be an interpretation of that. Through the interpretation, an exact translation can occur. I want you to hear this. An exact translation can occur, but we must always remember it is the Holy Spirit's interpretation and does not have to be a literal translation. Okay, that's why we call it an interpretation of tongues, not a literal translation of tongues, even though that can occur. And this is a, a must-have gift within any church that has the gift of tongues displayed. Not all tongues require an interpretation, like I said. Those that are individually praying in an unknown tongue for personal edification do not need interpretation to be, to be given, to be edified. But if there is a public message given, I don't know how to say this any more clear, but it's a public message given in an unknown tongue, if it's being spoken out, that unknown tongue, and everybody is hearing it, the interpretation must be given or the message does nothing for anyone, and the Bible says that person should be quiet. And the question comes up, well, how do I know if there's gonna be an interpreter, <laughs> right? says don't speak don't speak in an unknown tongue in a public way for the edification of the entire church if there's no interpreter well how do i know if there's going to be an interpreter pray that you could interpret your own tongue and that's scriptural too that's okay it's an act of faith it's stepping out now what would happen in church if someone came forward and they spoke in an unknown tongue because they had a message for the congregation and it was in the mic, and it was done all in order like we do it here. And then we said, okay, let's pray for the interpretation, and nobody interpreted it. What would we do? We would stone the speaker. No, we would not. Okay. We get so worked up about stuff, don't we? A couple of things could happen if that happens. First of all, it could be that the person was just stepping out in faith for the first time. They weren't quite understanding. They maybe didn't feel the flow right or whatever, and they made a little bit of a mistake. Whoop-de-dee-da-doo. I think we can handle that. You ever make a mistake? How dare you? Get out. We don't make mistakes as Christians. Of course we do. Why do we, why do we put such such a, a, a heavy burden on these gifts of the Spirit to where if you make a mistake, we're just done with you 
And I, I don't think we do that here, but, but there's that attitude that you can't, I'm not going to come forward because I don't know if it's right. Let, let this congregation, let this church, just know this. If you make a mistake, we love you. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> say it in a high voice, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to make mistakes in that. Now, we don't want to keep making the same mistake over and over and over, obviously, and you learn from those mistakes and you do things more properly. But I, I tell you what, you know, one of the reasons why Elaine, I know, says no is because she, she in her heart is saying, God, if you want to use somebody else, use somebody else. And then somebody won't maybe say yes. You know, the, the, the other thing that can happen when somebody comes forward and gives a message in tongues is the one who's supposed to interpret is too chicken to do it. And then it's not the speaker's fault, it's the interpreter's fault, right? Well, who's going to say what's what? That responsibility falls on me, which is not an easy thing to swallow. I don't take that lightly. That's a big deal. Pray for me. That's a big deal. And the elders and the, and the pastoral staff. But ultimately, it, it's kind of the person in charge of the service. I've heard someone give a message in tongues on a Sunday morning. It was in this church. And there was no interpretation. And back at the time, Pastor Callow was pastor, and he said, you know what, the person who was supposed to give the interpretation is not giving it, but they're going to come back to Sunday night service, and they're going to give the interpretation then. And that is exactly what happened. And you know what, it, it was very interesting, because that whole afternoon, I think there was an anticipation of what that interpretation was going to be. What has to happen immediately? Where in Scripture does it say that? Now, normally it does. Normally it does. But I, it's just a very interesting thing. And it was a powerful interpretation. That's the gift of the interpretation of tongues. And when you put a message in tongues with the interpretation of tongues, which is a second power to speak gift, together it's equal to the third power to speak gift, which I'm going to talk about, the gift of prophecy, which we saw this morning. Prophecy in its simplest form is a div divinely inspired and anointed utterance. It is entirely supernatural. As speaking with tongues is a supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue, prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue. And we need to remember not to confuse this with the office of a prophet. Just because someone prophesies, it doesn't mean they're automatically a prophet. Supernatural utterances in a known tongue that bring edification, exhortation, or comfort, that's the gift of prophecy. They encourage, as Pastor Jared said this morning, and he didn't read my notes either. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. How are we supposed to desire spiritual gifts? earnestly but especially that you may prophesy for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God for no one understands but in his spirit he speaks mysteries but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself but one who prophesies edifies the church now I wish that you all spoke in tongues 
but even more that you would prophesy, and greater is the one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edification. So you can understand all of that. The two together, tongues and interpretation of tongues, is basically the same thing as prophecy because it's a supernatural utterance that comes forth. Someone has been given the power to speak and they've stepped out in faith and they've done that. Their spirit's connected with the Holy Spirit, the hagios pneuma, right? And they've spoken what God is speaking and they speak it out and, they, and the church is edified. Either way. So they're equal. It's for the edification of the church. And all three of these power to speak gifts were important enough to the early church that uh, Paul wrote extensively about them and their uses. I've, I've gone over a lot of scripture already. There's more. It's very interesting that there's many, many evangelical Bible preaching churches out there. It doesn't mean we're better than they are, but it's just interesting to me. And even some quote unquote Pentecostal churches that never talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In all these writings, in all these scriptures that we're going over, Paul talked about it a lot. You know, it's, it's not seeker-friendly. I don't care. It's the Bible. And we need them. And we need them in the right way. We need them in order. We'll get to that. Paul said a lot about these gifts. And a couple things to remember. This is just general things to remember. The scriptures say we are to earnestly seek these manifestation gifts. When's the last time you sought, earnestly sought to be used in the gift of prophecy? Well, I don't need to do that. Sister Elaine is used in that. Well, she gets tired of always being used in it, I bet. You want to hear from somebody else, don't you? Yeah. No, she doesn't get tired. She loves it. But can you imagine if, if we had lots of people using that gift? I've had people come up to me in, in church, after church in the last few weeks and said, I had a message and I was too afraid to give it. Well, come on, give it next time. Step out in faith. It's okay. We're to earnestly seek these manifestation gifts. That means we don't leave them on the table and avoid those, uh, avoid them, uh, or, or avoid those who are used in them as well as avoiding being used in them ourselves, okay? And I've said it several times over the last couple of weeks that the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to make you do something that you don't want to do. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force you into it, but when you're open to it and you earnestly seek it, he's probably going to start using you. So you know what? Let him use you. And you know, it's really interesting in the gift of prophecy or even in tongues and interpretation how God ministers through you, but ministry is God working through your specific personality. And I've seen this throughout my time as a Christian and in Pentecostal churches. Sometimes those that have certain personalities, there is a flare of that personality within that ministry giftedness. I'm not saying they're not listening to God and it's not just totally God, but God uses personalities all the time. The manifestation gifts are to be earnestly sought. The manifestation gifts are to be practiced in love. 
1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 2, if I speak with the tongues of mankind and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to, as, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. So these are to be practiced in love with some room for even mistakes and forgiveness and encouragement. It, it, you know, I, 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 it's not by accident that, that chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians lists the manifestation gifts and chapter 14 gives some correctional instruction to their uses within public worship and then right in the middle of those two, you have chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, the love chapter. And this chapter, it's, it's used in weddings all the time and wedding ceremonies and, and as a mandate to love our fellow man and our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's very quoted all over the place. But in context, in biblical context, it is in reference to the use of the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Read it. Read 12, 13, and 14 and tell me it's not about the gifts of the Spirit. It starts with talking about the gifts of Spirit, and it even ends that way. So the manifestation gifts are to be practiced in love. The manifestation gifts are to be practiced in an orderly way. We've got into this a little bit already. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 31. What is the outcome then, brothers and sisters, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation? All things are to be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it must be by two or three at the most. And each one in turn, and one to, is to interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he is to keep silent in the church. And I, I've read the scripture already, but not in reference to this. And have him speak to himself and to God. Have two or three prophets speak and have the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, then the first one is to keep silent, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. Then you can go to 1 Corinthians 14, 39 through 40. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Don't forbid it. I wonder what churches that don't allow speaking in tongues do with that verse. Is that... But all things must be done properly and in an orderly way. Properly and in an orderly way. I think it's important to define what an orderly way means. Are you with me yet this morning or am I losing you? What is an orderly way? Well, there's lots of opinions about what that is. But let me tell you, there's no exhaustive list within the scriptures that tells us inexplicitly what we are to do or what order is, what proper order is. So in using scripture to interpret scripture, we can conclude this. That order is defined by whatever the leadership has laid out for it to be. And the reason I say that is that we are to submit to the authority God has placed over us. It's also true that cultures vary, geographic areas, ge geographical areas differ. Um, they can dictate what order is sometimes just by where you're at. That's why order is relative to the spiritual leadership that is in authority over the specific congregation at hand as long as they don't violate scripture. I don't know if you followed all that. But basically, order is whatever the church leadership in that specific church says it is, as long as they don't violate Scripture. Case in point, we used to have 100 to 200 people in this church. Praise God, look around, there's more than that here today. Lots more. God's on the move, amen? 
We had 100 to 200 people that attended this church on a Sunday morning, and this was small enough that if someone had a message in tongues, an interpretation for the congregation, that they could speak it out and everyone would hear both the message and the interpretation. As the church grew, we had to change. In order for everyone to be edified through a gift of the Holy Spirit, be it a message in tongues and interpretation or a prophetic message, we started asking that people come to the front. Let Pastor Jared or, other lead, or another leader know that they had a word. And he would get them to speak it into the mic, possibly would hold the mic, might give that to them. And this was a change, and all of a sudden there was a pushback on that change. People who refused. People who said, I was quenching the Holy Spirit. People who made it known that they would never be willing to speak a message from the Holy Spirit into a mic, because they don't like mics. That, that, there just wasn't, that that just wasn't scriptural. There was no mics in the Bible. I heard that. And it took away the spontaneity of the gifts being used by the Holy Spirit. Let me say, say something about that. There's nothing in Scripture that speaks about the spontaneity of the gifts being the evidence that they are real. In fact, there are more references to coming with a word already in your heart than to sit and spontaneously speak in one of the power gifts to speak. Like, come prepared with a word. Also, the definition of order had to change when the pastor, me, started wearing earbuds over there. And uh, people say, why, why do you wear earbuds? Can't you just hear? No, because the congregation grew and y'all sing so loud sometimes that I can't hear what I'm playing or even singing with these, my, these speakers here. So we had to go to earbuds. And now it's all inside here. And if you close your ears off, you know, you, you, you know how that is, right? I don't hear. So if someone over here is speaking in tongues, I don't hear them. How do I know? Well, you should be in the spirit enough to just know. What if I'm having an off day? I still want that message to be heard. Even if I'm having an off day. I'm human, did you know that? Yeah, you guys, you're like, yeah, we know you're human. <laughs> no doubt there. So we had to do it differently. With growth of a congregation came the necessity to change. And although change can be difficult, I'd rather change so that we can facilitate the gifts for the edification of the entire church than to try and use the old rules of order that don't work and aren't practical for us. Things change. Order is just, it's relative to the leadership. It's relative to the church. It's relative to that body of local believers. As long as they don't violate scripture, it can be pretty much what they say it is. 1 Corinthians 14, 32 through 33, and the spirit of prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And this is to say that those who are being used in the gifts, their spirit man is connecting with the Holy Spirit in those moments, and they will, con they will remain in control of their own spirit man. Did you hear that? They're remaining in control. Something doesn't possess you, and all of a sudden you're, you're completely out of control. That brings confusion. There are times when people get caught up in the emotional experience of what God is doing in them when they are being used in these supernatural gifts. 
But even though God has given us those very emotions to experiencing him with, it should be a thought that, that we are... We, we should never be out of control of those emotions. So someone comes to me and says, when the Spirit comes upon me, I have to speak what he's telling me. It's really an interesting thing. I'm going to come down here. Can I do that with cameras? I'll stay in the light. There we go. Hi. All right. If they have no control, they're telling me that I must be submissive to them in that moment. Okay, if everyone in the congregation did that, where's the order? Now, I'm not saying that because I, I want to have control and be this authoritarian. I'm saying that the buck has to stop somewhere. And we know the Holy Spirit's moving. We get that. But when someone says, I can't stop when the Holy Spirit comes on me, I have to speak what he's telling me to speak. You know, this is what happens. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and he'll give you a word. He'll give you a message. And then you wait, and you pray, and then he'll give you opportunity when it's right. It's not that I'm being possessed. I'm just going to speak now. If someone stood up right now and gave a word in tongues, I'd shut it down. Because I'm preaching right now. It's not in order. Unless God told me completely differently. And you know what would happen the next day? I'd get emails that said, you shut down the gifts of the Spirit. No, I didn't. I kept order in the church. And there's a big difference. So understand what I'm saying here. There's a time and there's an order for everything. You are not out of control. You are still in control. You're just giving yourself over to the Holy Spirit and he's speaking to your spirit and then you're letting that go forth. That, that's good teaching. I mean, I think that's even worth a whoa. Okay. Just making sure. Let me say this, 1 Corinthians 14, 29, have two or three prophets speak and have the others pass judgment. What? We're not supposed to judge. Don't judge, don't judge. You can't judge. How dare you judge? Have two or three prophets speak and have the others pass judgment. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That's truth, it's scripture. These power to speak gifts are to be used in a way they're not to be used in a way that's unchecked. It shouldn't be a free-for-all. There's accountability, there's grace, there's love, there's personal discipline, there's responsibility, there's submission to authority and to one another, there's motive of the heart, there's humility, and most importantly, a willingness to flow in the Holy Spirit and let him lead, but all that comes together for these gifts to go forth. And it can be difficult and, and may seem impossible, but it's not. We can operate as a church in this, in, in this way, keeping all of these things in mind, not putting the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit on the shelf, but flowing in them and allowing ourselves to be used in them. They are our power gifts. And if God didn't want these gifts used in the church, he would not have given them to us. And I remind you, we are to seek the greater gifts. 
The day where these gifts are no longer needed has not come yet. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10, and this is the end of the love chapter in the Bible. It says, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and prophesy in part. In other words, we, we're, we're used in the gifts right now. And we, we are we're supernaturally know things and can and be a part of, of what his spirit's doing. But when the perfect comes, has the perfect come yet? Who's the perfect? When the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. So until Jesus comes back, these gifts are supposed to be used. They're supposed to be used and we're supposed to earnestly seek them. So this morning, it's time to close because I've gone over. I knew I was going to have a long message today. I apologize if your roast is burning, but you got donuts to eat and I got to be done. If earnestly seeking the gifts of the Spirit is something new to you and you want to start doing that, basically doing what the Bible says. If you want to start doing what the Bible says, let me word it differently. In reference to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, would you stand to your feet this morning and say, yeah, that's me. If you're too scared of the Spirit of God and you're too scared of those gifts, you know, you can stay sitting. No one's going to look down on you. No, one's, no haters here. But these are for us to be used powerfully in our witness. Why would we want to not be used in them? Why would we want to shelf them? And I'm going to ask Pastor Jared to come forward and close us in prayer this morning. You want to come all the way up too, buddy? And before he prays, I just want you to lift your hands up. If, that, if you want to receive the gifts he has for you, and I, I believe all these gifts are for all y'all. That's for you, Sandy, all y'all. Okay, I believe they're for all of us. Let's pray to receive them. Father God, you see these hands lifted. Lord, we thank you, God, for the message on your spirit and the gifts of your spirit. But God, you see these hands lifted, and Lord, I pray, God, that you would fulfill this request. God, is there is a full house of people, God, that are saying, yes, I want to be used in these gifts. God, that you would answer that request. Lord, that you'll make their hearts open. God, give them the courage, Lord, when you speak to their hearts to step out and to be used in these gifts. God, not just here in this church, but Lord, out there in the marketplace, God, in their mission fields, in the places that they're going to go and be interacting with people on a regular basis. But Lord, also in this house. God, we pray that you would use them. God, that as they step out, Lord, even if they make a mistake or two, Lord, God, that you'd give those grace to be able to say, it's okay. We're just glad that you try to step out in the gifts of the Spirit. But Lord, anoint them. Let your Spirit wash over them, God, to do and to, 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 be, to fully realize the potential that you've placed within them, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Have an incredible week. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.